All right, good morning. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4 today. And I guess, you know, I need to address an elephant in the room, uh, or maybe I should better say the elephant on my head. I don't, I don't know if y'all can see this big bump, but I, I feel really self-conscious about it. Uh, <laughs> everyone I've talked to today, they don't look me in the eye. They're looking right up here. And, uh, you know, with the spotlight shining, I think I just need to go ahead and say, there it is. We need to get over it. And uh, it's, I think it's a spider bite. So I've been to the doctor and on some medicine, but I think that's what's going on. And uh, it's, it's really ironic um, today we're going to be thinking about setting our minds on things above or setting our minds on the heavenly things above. And then, so, you know, I was thinking, I had to put that qualifier in there, setting our minds on heavenly things above, because all week long I've been thinking about this thing above, and I really wasn't able to get above my forehead. That's what I was thinking about. And here's the, and here's the thing. I think we're called to set our minds on things a little bit higher than that. But you know what? When you're in pain and, and things are going on or you're sick, sometimes it's really hard to get our mind beyond the pain that we feel or the thing that's going on that's, that's clamoring for our attention. So today, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4, setting our minds on heavenly things above. Let's read it together. It says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ... Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. There is the admonition he begins with, and he says it twice in this passage. Set your mind on things above. Seek the things that are above. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Christians. He begins, he says, if you have been raised with Christ. That's a Christian. That is the person who has come to the point that realizes that they need salvation. They need the eternal life that Jesus offers. The rescue from death and condemnation that is only in Christ. And he says, if you have been raised with Christ, it's beautifully pictured in a Christian baptism. Buried in that watery grave is the old self and the sins and all of the things of this life. And we say raised to walk in newness of life. Just like Jesus was raised from the dead to a resurrected life, so will the Christian be That person who has placed saving faith in Jesus. We are raised with him. And so he says, if you've been raised with Christ. And then I think to think of raised with Christ, we talked about the ascension of Christ into heaven. And we're with Jesus. He said, if that's you, keep your minds on things above. Uh, Paul says in Colossians 1.5, he talks about the Christian who has their hope laid in heaven. Hope laid up in heaven. And that's where I get the idea of, of, of seeking heavenly things above. Because really that's the theme of this letter. It's not a call to think about space travel to Mars or, or anything like that. It's a call to the heaven 
of heavens where God is. You know, in the Bible, I say this often, it's important. In the Bible, there are three heavens spoken of. One we could translate or understand as being the atmosphere. It's where the birds fly. The second is what we would call space or outer space or, or whatever. You know, it's, it's where astronauts go. It's where our space shuttles go. But then there is the third heavens spoken of, and that's specifically thinking about and talking about where God is. All right? So, Paul is saying, keep your mind where God is, in the heavenly places. What's interesting about the letter to the Colossians is in chapter 2, we get an idea that there is heresy. There is a teaching about the Christian life that has gone astray. It's gone awry. And Paul is correcting that. And so he refutes in Colossians chapter 2 some of the things that are going on that are wrongheaded. But here in chapter 3, he said this is what the Christian life is really all about. He gets down to the sum and substance of it. What were some of the waywardnesses of, of Colossians chapter 2? People call it the Colossian heresy. Well, here's some of what's going on. They were all worked up about certain rituals and festivals and holidays that had to be kept if you were a Christian. It appears that there were people promoting uh, harsh treatment of the body. Harsh treatment of the body to, uh, you know, to, to abstain from all these different things and to maybe even harm themselves in order to get their minds on things above. So it's really interesting to think about how Paul is saying, you know, you don't need to do these things. Just this week, I was reading a, an article about Mother Teresa and, and the nuns and the sisters or whatever they call them that were doing ministry with Mother Teresa. I'm sure you all know, understand, she's uh, a Catholic uh, nun who did all kinds of acts for the uh, poor. And, and, you know, the Catholic Church recognized her after her death as a saint and all of those kind of things. Well, some of the stories came out that some of the sisters in that uh, uh, order where Mother Teresa was, one of the things that went on routinely was that they would self-inflict pain by lashing their upper thighs with cords till whelps would come up. It was the same idea that, you know, harsh treatment of the body can get our mind off of things below and get our minds on things above. And Paul says, no, no, no. All of that has the sound of fancy and good religion, but it has no power against the flesh. And so in Colossians chapter 3, this idea that we need to get our minds on heavenly things above, Paul is saying, this is how you battle the flesh. This is how you do Christian life. You get your minds on things above. That's, that's it. That's what the Christian life is about. If you're in Christ, he says, get your mind on things above. It's a superior way. Get your mind on the glories that are in heaven. All right? And so he says, don't seek the things below. Seek the things are above that are above. Get your mind on them. And with that command, that exhortation, here's what you realize. This is a choice. It is, I have a choice of where I'm going to let my mind go, what I'm going to let my mind dwell on. I have a choice to, to think about the things that I need to think about. So I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you, would you in these weeks ahead, if Lord willing we go and, and we're thinking about heavenly things, things above, would you do this? Would you commit to actually, personally, trying to put this exhortation in practice? See, it's one thing for me to stand up here and talk about it and use my 20 or 30 minutes and let's just do it right then. And Paul is saying, no, this is, this is where you need to live. You need to continually set your mind on heavenly things. So 
at least give it a thought. Give, give, give it a, a thought whether you would commit to that. That's what I'm asking for you to do today. And that's what we're going to do in this time together. Set our minds on things above. Recently, I, I was reading a transcript from a, a sermon by a guy named Matt Chandler down at the Village Church. And uh, Matt Chandler, he's a pretty dramatic preacher. He's a really good preacher. I love to listen to what he has to say. And he said, you know, we are seeing some massive shifts in America today in our culture, some shifts away. You've heard all kinds of uh, bad st- statistics about, uh, you know, people not believing in God. They're leaving the church. You've got all these uh, quote-unquote celebrity Christians who are leaving the faith. And Matt Chandler says, you know, there's a massive shift going on. What do we need to do as the church? And he gives some exhortations and he says, and he's talking to pastors primarily, but I thought this was so good. It's good for all of us. I want to read you a quote from Matt Chandler about how we as Christians are going to face a hostile culture or a culture that does not share our beliefs and our thoughts. Here's what he says we need to do. He says we need to orient our imaginations, our minds, and our hearts around being the bride of Christ. So in other words, we're not not worried about all the bad things. We're focused on the right thing and the good thing. That's being the bride of Christ. And he says, and consider the reign and the rule of King Jesus, the lion and the lamb. He said, if we do that, we will be prepared to move forward with courage. But listen to this. If we carry on with man-centered religion, we are in trouble. Man-centered religion that's all about a set of rules. Like what was going on in Colossae. It's not going to cut it. It doesn't, it doesn't change anybody. It's not what was ever meant to be as the Christian life. The Christian life is setting our minds on things above. So let's think about heavenly things today. The first thing, I've got three things, three important truths I want to share with you about things above. As we're getting oriented, we've got to get our... Minds on things above, here they are. The first one, first important truth about things above is that heaven is the place where God dwells and Christ is now seated. Heaven is the place where God dwells and where Christ is now seated. Now, I didn't see any of you go, ah, aha. <laughs> well, close, there was a yawn, right? So, yeah, yeah. It's not terribly shocking. Sorry, Jason. I didn't mean to pick on you for that. <laughs> it was Jason. Oh, sorry, Jason. <laughs> I'm going to wake y'all up. L- listen to this. Heaven is the place where God dwells and Christ is now currently seated. That's not surprising because so often if you look up the term heaven, it's going to say it's God's dwelling place. It's his abode. But I think we need to hear that. We're often enamored with the accoutrements. Big word. And the furnishings of heaven, right? First thing, if you say heaven, you're going to, if I say heaven to you, you're thinking about, ah, streets of gold, right? Right? You're thinking about streets of gold? Some of you, uh, Kenny's probably thinking about his favorite joke about meeting Peter at the pearly gates. Kenny, is that true? Sometimes. So, you know, we're thinking tree of life. We're thinking of, you know, uh, rivers. And we're thinking about all these things. We're thinking about mansions. And I think that the first thing we should think about when we think about heaven is it is the place where God dwells and where Jesus Christ, our Savior, is. I don't think we give enough thought to the fact that heaven is being in God's presence. Heaven is being in God's 
presence. When we think about God's dwelling place, I think there's this squishy, mushy, uh, vague, very esoteric type feeling about, you know, it's pretty subjective. We think that it's just a, a thing that uh, maybe isn't exactly real. Now, Christians don't think this way, but, but I will tell you that when people think about God, and where he is, there's this cloudy haze that settles in in our minds. And it just doesn't feel like a place. It just doesn't feel like a place. It just seems like it's a, an ethereal thing out there. Some people will talk about God. God is, you know, he's a force. God is an organizing principle. He's the collective consciousness of everything that it is and all of that kind of thing. They're thinking about God. But I would tell you this, that God is emplaced. Now he's above creation. He's above place. But the Bible teaches us that heaven is the place where God is. Heaven is not a mood or a feeling or an earthly experience after a wonderful meal. Heaven, now I don't want to push this too hard, but it's a place. Now I, I can't draw you a map there. The disciples wanted a map and Jesus says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the map. I'm the way that you get there. But heaven is spoken of as the place where God is. Where God is. And so that's what Paul says. I want you to set your minds on things above where God is. And where Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He is enthroned. That right hand imagery is about being over everything else. There is God the Father. There is the Son, and the Son has supremacy. He has authority. All things have been given into his hands. He's the supreme ruler of all creation. Angelic beings, demonic beings, which are fallen angels, we believe. Everything. Jesus Christ has the supremacy. He has the throne. He has all authority. I think, again, we think about Jesus as being this poor peasant who was killed. To some extent, that's true in a human standpoint. But we also understand that he is the eternal son of God who took on flesh. He came to earth. Those things happened. But he was resurrected and he ascended. And he is the eternal, resurrected son of God. And he is enthroned. And that's a big thing when you think about where do I go when my life is caving in? Where do I go when society seems totally unstable? I'll tell you who you go to. You go to King Jesus, who is alive. He's in a place. He's in a place called heaven. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for you. You know what that means? He's got God's ear. With whatever we bring to him, he has God's ear. And so my first point is simply this, that heaven is the place where God dwells. And Christ is now seated. Here's a great line I read yesterday. Listen to this. Heaven without Christ is like the ocean without water, the sky without air, fire without flame. He, that is Jesus, is heaven's beating heart. And we need to know that as we think about getting our minds on things above. Second thing I want to tell you that's really important about heavenly things as we orient our minds there is that heaven is to be where the Christian's ultimate hope and life are found. Heaven is our hope. That's what he says, Colossians 1, 5. Our hope is laid up in heaven. So the Christian should know this. And it takes teaching. We need to understand this. So, so don't miss this today. Your life, your eternity, 
is in heaven, which is your eternal home. So important. It's not very popular to talk about going to heaven or anything like that today. You know, we want to give seven steps to your best life now and things like that. The Bible is very caught up with this idea that eternity is what lays beyond the grave. And it lasts forever and ever. And Jesus has made a way. And he has gone before to heaven. He says, I go and I prepare a place for you. That's where our hope is. Listen to this. Scott Hubbard wrote this. Now, Christian, remember, you are going to heaven. Very soon, even any moment, you will be hastened away from all you've known here. You will wake up to find your lungs filled with the air of a better country. Your sorrows and sighs will be out of sight. You will see Jesus face to face, and with him you will be home. Folks, our home and our hope and our life, our eternity, are stored in heaven. And I think that wisdom is to seriously contemplate the reality of death. That's wisdom. Even though it's not fun to think about, is it? It's not fun to think about that you can set your hat down, a little brown recluse spider can crawl in it, you can stick it on your head, go out to the garden, come back out and have a spider bite on your head. That's what I think happened. I saw a little brown spider come out of my hat get infected and then you start panicking am I going to die and it doesn't help that Johnny Rex comes to the office you know right after that happens and he says you know I was watching about the apostle Paul and that uh, that venomous serpent that bit him and he was telling me about this really interesting but I'm sitting here with a burning uh, bite on my head and he goes and there's this one snake that it takes two weeks for it to kill you but you don't realize you're even sick or anything and bang you're dead I was like did I get that right, Johnny Rex? That's pretty close. That's what I heard. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, but Johnny Rex didn't say, I think you need to go see the doctor. You know, about that thing. So, <laughs> you know, I, I say all that and it's kind of funny when it's me, right? It's, it's funny when it's me. But to think about, think about how many times you're on the road one driver crosses over a line. You think about how quickly. Uh, this last week, my, uh, my great uncle, they found him uh, dead in his home. He was a bachelor. He was an attorney. Um, and, uh, you know, was a, really an amazing guy. Uh, all of the things that he did in, in his life. And um, we're, we're having his memorial service this week. So I've been thinking about him this week. And I, I've been thinking about our mortality. And the fact that every one of us, the end is going to come. And I got a, I got a text last night about the service and, and all of this. And one of the things it said, a little bit random, it just said he didn't have his earthly affairs in order. No will, no anything. So it's going to be, you know, a bit of a mess. And here's, you know, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking about this all week and keeping my mind on things above. And here's what I... No. My uncle did not take one thing with him except his soul. The motorcycles and the log cabin and the degrees and all of those things 
and the money in the bank left behind for someone else to figure out what to do with it. That's reality, folks. That's reality, and every one of us needs to be prepared for that. If you're a Christian, if you've trusted Christ, I think you need to realize one of these days you are going to leave this place and then life really starts. You're going to go home. (laughs) And all of these things that we worry so much about and think so much about and spend our life for, one of these days in an instant will not matter to us anymore. And yet our eyes are continually lighted by the little blue screens and other and, and earthly scenes. Our ears are inundated with earthly talk and frivolous things. Our minds are bombarded with frivolous data to the point that we're mentally and emotionally overloaded. It seems like we don't even have space for anything else. Our schedules are bursting at the seam. There's just not hardly any empty space in our lives And the Apostle Paul says this. Make time. Choose to set your mind on things above. You know, you don't have to choose to have your mind on earthly things. It's coming at you 100 miles an hour, isn't it? You don't have to choose that. You do have to choose whether you will put your mind on heavenly things where our treasure and our life and our hope and our future is truly found. So many things in 2021 in in my life, I know my family's life and in the life of the church, passing in this uh, Stella and different things, events in in the last couple weeks in my family, it just, it helps me realize this. Life is short. Eternity is forever. That's ultimately, you are foolish and I am foolish. If we spend our entire life amassing things that we can't take with us. We are wise. If we grapple with death, realize that we have no way to overcome it in and of ourselves and we come to Jesus, our Savior, the only person, hey folks, he is the only person who has ever by his own strength overcome death and the grave. And we trust in him and we say, I want to be with you. I want that eternal life that you offer. So heaven is where our ultimate hope and our life and our home is. That's a, and that's a great thing to know that you are not eternally homeless. Amen? We worry about our homes here. We should be so glad of our home that is there. Last thing, heaven is a place filled with the glory of Christ. So I've already said Christ is there. God is there. It is where we will be one day. That is to say we will be with Christ. And, and, and this is where we begin to maybe use our sanctified imaginations. We read the scriptures and we say, what is heaven going to be like? Christ is at the center And it's his glory that fills the place. We need to define glory. Glory is beauty. It's majesty. It's splendor. It's the radiance of God's energy, his power, his goodness, and his light. I'll tell you this, glory, that word almost defies being defined. Quite frankly, I think it's the word that you say, well, let's just give a word to the thing that we can't really describe very well. 
You know, Paul had a vision that's outlined in the Bible. He was, he says, transported into the third heavens. It was this heavenly vision. He said, I don't even know quite about it. But he said, you know, there were things that I just can't even say. I think God muted his tongue about that thing and, and didn't want him giving details because he didn't even have the vocabulary good enough to begin to do it justice. But glory is this beauty and radiance and splendor that almost defies description and yet we see it here that there is this beauty of Christ in heaven. It is filled with amazing gifts that come from the throne of God. Again, in a future study, we'll consider some of these things. But for now, here's what I want you to know. If someone were to ask you, what's heaven like? <laughs> Say, it's glorious. It's glorious. The goodness and the power and the beauty and the radiance and the love and the acceptance and the mercy of Jesus Christ it absolutely fills the place. Have you ever been around people that it's like their personality just fills the room? You can almost feel the love and the energy radiating from them. Just, just to see them, to be with them. It's contagious, it's powerful, it's amazing. I've had a few friends like that just to come into their presence. It was like, it was like the glory of God was on them, especially Christian people. It's kind of like Moses, you know, when he went into the very presence of God, the glory of God actually reflected through him. Now it faded. This is an unfading glory. It will never diminish. There's the glory of Christ there. And one of these days, we're going to see it. We're going to experience it in an unmediated way. I'll tell you this, and that's kind of what verse 4 is talking about. It says, Christ, who is our glory, will be revealed, and it's going to be revealed to us and in us. In other words, when we're with Christ, when we experience what the Bible calls heaven, it is going to be beyond amazing. We won't even know how to describe it then. Hey, but listen to this. Right now, we can see it. We can see the glory of Christ, but not with our physical eyes, but with eyes of faith. That's how we see it now. And that's what Paul is calling us to, is to a life where we bank on, we know it's true that we have our home and our hope in heaven. And he says, get, get your minds there. If you're there by faith, put your minds there and you will see the glory of Christ by faith, by faith. So it's a walk of faith. I want to close with this. I want to give you some application. What are you asking me to do, preacher? Paul, what are you asking us to do to get our mind on things above? What does this look like? How do we seek heavenly things above? So just some practical things. This is not all inclusive. I just think it's some things that flow pretty easily, pretty natural. The first is this, make space and time in your hurried life for spiritual things. To contemplate heavenly things. Isn't that hard to do? Isn't it hard to do when you finally have a moment and yet you've got a remote control and you've got a, you know, here's, here's me sitting in my easy chair. iPad on the left, 
phone on the right, TV remote right here. I got a little bit of time. Let's see if I can work all three of those at once, right? And there's, you know, maybe there's some heavenly things, you know, I think you could do with those things. But by and large, there needs to be a commitment to make space and time for heavenly things. For heavenly things. Search the scriptures, ponder them. Hey, use your iPad and your phone to read articles or books about heavenly things, about who Christ is, about the glory of Christ. Those would be first steps. Make space and time for spiritual things in your own personal life. Here's secondly, this would be kind of a warning what not to do. There are some things that are contrary to heavenly things. You know, here's what's interesting. We think about the antithesis of heaven being hell, right? There's, there's heaven and hell. Did you know, fun fact, that in the Bible, I think most often, the antithesis or the contrast between heaven is not hell, but what? Anybody know? It's earth. Things on this earth. He even says it here in verses 1 through 4. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Okay? And so, beware of filling our minds and our thoughts with earthly things. Now, things on the earth are good. We're going to go ride our little ATVs and UTVs around some of God's precious earth. You know, there, there are good things on earth, good gifts, things we should enjoy. I think what's in mind here is the earthly kingdom, man's way, not God's ways. And he gives a list. If you want to look in verse 5, he gives some things that are contrary to God's ways, contrary to the things of heaven. And he says, I think, beware of allowing your thoughts and intents of your heart to focus on earthly things. Immoral things, impure things, things that are all about greed, idolatrous things. Those are some of the things listed in verse 5. So beware of setting your mind and your hearts on earthly things because quite often they're contrary to heavenly things. Last one is, so make space and time. Beware of entertaining thoughts and intents of the heart that are contrary to God's holiness. Third thing is simply this. Walk with Jesus. Did you know the Christian life is about a relationship with the living Lord Jesus? He's a real person. He's alive today. He hears you when you pray. He has promised to be with you and abide with you. And I think most fully through the person of the Holy Spirit who he has put in you. He has promised to guide you, to bring to mind the things that you need to know. To be your counselor to be your helper. And in John, I think it's John 15, he says, abide in me. What does that mean? Well, st stay in my love. Stay in my love. Realize that I love you. Don't let anything move you from the fact that Jesus loves you. No hardship. No terminal cancer diagnosis. No anything can separate you from the love that is in Christ Jesus. So stay there. Abide there. He says, abide in my commands. The things that I've told you to do, do them. So abide in my love, abide in my commands, worship. There's some other things we'll get into at a later time. I love this. Here's what Matt Chandler says. Fight for unhurried time with Jesus. Thanking him, praising him, 
Ask him for what you need. Ask for gratitude to stir up your heart. Ask him to remind me who I am in him. Do you pray to Jesus? Or do you pray to the unknown God? When you pray and you bring your needs before the Lord, you're talking to the Lord Jesus. He's interceding for you. And I think that's something we need to do. Bring your needs to Him. All right? Last quote, and I'll be done. John Owen, an old Puritan quote. This is great. What does it mean to be heavenly minded? It means that our minds are most full of heaven when they're most full of Christ. The whole glory of the state above is expressed by being ever with the Lord, where He is, and to behold His glory. Our hope is that ere long we shall be ever with Him. And so, it is certainly our wisdom and duty to be here with Him as much as we can. In other words, it's like the old saying, God intends to get heaven into the man before He gets the man into heaven. In other words, as Christians we can experience the glory of Christ and heavenly things here. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't come easy. It doesn't come easy. It will not fly at you 100 miles an hour. Your schedule will not fill with heavenly things unless you commit to do what the Apostle Paul says here through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Set your mind on things above. Seek them. I want to encourage you. Help me figure this out in the next few weeks. Now, if you're willing to take that commitment, let's have an invitation. Do this right here. If you want to commit to set your mind on heavenly things, do this right here. Uh-huh. I think it will be life-changing. Life-changing. Would you bow with me? Father, today, our commitment as Christians is to obey you and to contemplate and learn about and relish and meditate on heavenly things. And I pray that you would give us the wherewithal, the spiritual fortitude, the help that we need to guide us to learn what this means. But not as an academic exercise, but instead as a spiritual growth, as a maturing as Christians. I pray that we would not be confused about what you've called us to be and to do as Christians. pray that we would come back to the basics here, back to living a life of love and abiding in Jesus. So help us. Help us to be people that are so full of your glory that the people around us may not even be able to explain it, but they sense it and they know it. Let this place, this church, be a gathering of people who are utterly heavenly minded and bring your kingdom and your glory back down here below. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One last thing as we close up. Um, by way of invitation. If you